Welcome to We Need to Talk About Tech, where we talk about the past, present, and future of technology. On this week's episode, we are talking about the GameStop stock pop. This past week, every news outlet has been exploding with news about the GameStop stock soaring and Reddit being responsible for it. Okay, so to sum up the month of January, I guess, well, when it comes to the stock market, pretty much investors from Reddit bought a ton of options. Wall Street had to cover GameStop stock soared. Yeah, uh, it was a pretty nuts situation. Um, like like we were talking about, uh, or like you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, it was kind of like a, a story for the entire of January. Where January started, when we were starting to see game stocks start stocks starting to climb, it was around all this kind of interest and in, you know the new consoles coming out. They were doing really well. Um, this idea that you know GameStop was keeping afloat thanks to you know kind of renewed interest in, in video games. Video games kind of soared during the pandemic, and it was always going to be the plan. GameStop was was in trouble for a long time, and they're always trying to stay afloat. Um, for the new consoles that was a big push that they were trying to do you know stay afloat for the new consoles see how long um, they can stay alive and then around you know late to mid or mid to late january the stock just started to increase and increase and increase and and like you mentioned there's these big investor firms are like okay well we think um, gamestop has reached its peak so we're going to short it. So essentially they're going to buy or they're going to sell shares that they don't own yet. And they're under the impression that the stock is going to be at a high enough level right now. And eventually as they sell, 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 the stock will drop because not just because they're selling it, but also they're under the impression that GameStop is going to go down, that it's it's not going to be as valuable anymore. But what they did was they started selling so much shares of GameStop that uh, a Reddit group caught eye of it. And they're like, wait a minute, this, these, you know, these firms, these, these large, you know, trading organizations are trying to short GameStop stocks. They're trying to sell uh, or trying to sell so much that it's actually tanking the GameStop or it looks like it will try to tank the GameStop stock lower than it actually should be or what it should be valued at. And they saw this, um, you know, and they decided, okay, hey, let's buy, let's buy, let's buy. Uh, there's all this this stock kind of available. And the interesting thing is because of this, the stock started to soar. So what makes this really kind of crazy is that when you're shorting a stock um, or when you're, you're option trading, essentially, you're, you're selling a stock that you before you bought it. So the idea is you're selling it at a, like a pretty good price right now. Where you think, oh, it's going to be at its peak. Um, I'm betting on the fact that it will that it will go down, and then I'll buy those shares back to cover the shares that I just sold at a lower cost. So essentially, you're going to be making money, which is what these big firms can do. And the crazy part is because they were trying to sell so much of once again stocks they didn't own, but such a high volume of them. Um, it seemed like almost like a greed play where they felt like, oh, we could bring the stock lower and lower and lower and lower so that when we actually try to buy it back, it'll be so low we'll make even more money. 
Um, but you know, we're in the day of, of technology and apps and all this stuff. And we were actually just having a conversation the other day about how easy it is to buy stocks as opposed to when we were younger. Um, and because of that, you know, there's a lot of savvy investors out there just chilling on Reddit <laughs> and they're able to see this and kind of say, Hey, this, what's happening right now isn't really, uh, is a good opportunity for us to buy and get into GameStop. Um, and essentially this, this helped the, the stock to go up, which if you're trying to short a stock, um, is a bad situation because now you're going to have to buy the stock back at a higher cost than what you sold it for, which means you're going to lose a ton of money. And in this case, they lost a lot of money. Um, you know, uh, I've already heard situations of, you know, some of them needing to be bailed out and stuff like that. But um, it's interesting because this uh, this week's podcast is like one topic that we have. This topic is important because it covers so much realms of tech that we talked about in the past, from apps to to the Internet to um, to competition and all that. And yeah, this whole situation has is, is kind of been really interesting and everyone is talking about it right now. Um, so I was just wondering, like, it seems like everyone has an opinion on this. Have you heard um, from anyone else out there in the YouTube space or in podcast space? Um, have you heard a lot of the conversation about it or has the news kind of reached you of how crazy the situation has been? I've definitely been following along with what's been going on with GameStop. And it's been, it's like you said, every news outlet has been talking about it and it's kind of all encompassing when it comes to okay you've got people on reddit are talking about it they're using reddit to communicate they're buying stocks through their phones i mean before you had to go to a bank talk to someone at the bank to set up a trading account for you who then got in contact with a broker so that you could put in the order to buy stocks and the broker is the one buying the stocks for you now it's as simple as you go on your phone and in the States, they have, I think you mentioned Robinhood, which is a trading app where you could essentially sign up, answer a few questions just to, you know, validate that, hey, I am an actual person and not a robot. And I am of a legal age to do this. And you can start trading right away. The thing that was, I guess, so special about Robinhood, or it's is still so special about Robinhood, is that there are no transaction fees. Usually when you want to buy some sort of stock or an option or you want to buy something, there's, okay, you have to pay the person who's facilitating this $10, $5, maybe even $20. But they had a zero transaction fee policy so that you have so many young investors that are saying, hey, I don't have to go into a bank. I don't have to talk to a broker. I can get this app on my phone and I can trade as much as I want without having to pay for each trade, which is a huge game changer with the way that people have been trading. I mean, their mission statement was they wanted to open up investing for more people. They didn't want there to be as many barriers to getting interested in investing or even getting into investing. And you could definitely say they've successfully done it. I mean, just to go over how GameStop stock has been doing. If you haven't been following along, the first day the markets opened for 2021, January 4th, GameStop was $17.90. So a modest price, you know, depending on who you ask. Um, it stayed around there 
probably until the 12th to the 13th, where it jumped from $19 to $29. So that's a huge jump, $10 jump. Yeah. At the price of $19, that's what, like a, a 50% increase in price in one day? That's pretty amazing, right? On the 14th, it kept on climbing and it got up to $41, which is, if you're looking at the 4th, you bought in at $17.90 and you're up to $41. Like, this is amazing. You, you doubled your money in a w- less than two weeks, right? 11 yep. days? No, sorry, 10 days. I can't do math. You doubled your money in 10 days. <laughs> Um, so on the 14th of January, the second week from then, it kind of dipped up and down for a week. And on the 22nd, it made its climb up to $65. So if you think about it, the, f- the first day you could buy a stock on January 4th, it was 1790 on the 22nd, it was $65. And if you think about it, you're tripling whatever you put in three times your money. That's pretty great. That's a pretty great start to the year. So you're probably thinking, man, I just tripled my money. Like, should I maybe start selling this? So, you know, you're spending the weekend relaxing, thinking, okay, I tripled my money. What am I going to do with this? Like, you can't go out to dinner because it's a pandemic, but you're going to do something with it, right? And then on the 25th, it jumped as high as $144. It dipped back down to the 70s and 80s, but then on the 26th, it crossed $100 mark again, and by the end of the day, it was $150, right? So $1,790 to $150, that's a pretty great 26 days of January. On the 27th, it opened up at $327.67. So if you think one day it closed at 150, the next day it opened at 327. Yeah. Spent most of the day going between 300 to 350. And if you think about it, you got in at 1790, 350 is looking pretty good, right? Well, on the 28th, it climbed all the way up above $400. And then it came crashing down. Now, the 28th was a Thursday, and Robinhood, the trading platform that we mentioned, they halted all trades on GameStop, AMC, BlackBerry, I think Nokia, Bed Bath & Beyond, a few other companies that were seeing abnormally high trades. Um, When this happened, it sent the stock crashing down to $126. So if you think about it, during the middle of the day or during the beginning of the day, you're at $400 a share. Robinhood halts all trades. You're shooting back down to $126. Now it finished the day at $237. But it's been a crazy month, been a crazy week for the GameStop stock and kind of like you mentioned before, what's been fueling this all is Robinhood making it easy to invest. This Reddit forum, Wall Street Bets, kind of encouraging people to invest in this stock and in other ones. Right? They encourage people to invest in AMC, BlackBerry, Nokia. And it's it's sort of like a revenge game, right? Against Wall Street. Because like you said, these yeah. 
banks, these hedge funds have been shorting stocks for so long and at times shorting them so much that it's actually causing prices of these companies are shorting to tank, which then puts more money in their yeah. pocket. So these Reddit communities in combination with, hey, we're able to communicate so easily and we're able to buy stock so easily. If we start buying the stock, it's going to shoot up the price, causing these big hedge funds, these big banks to lose money, which means they have to buy even more stock to cover the money that they're losing. Right. So kind of what we're seeing is something that's unprecedented, been never has never been seen before. And it's a lot of it is due to, OK, one, everyone's at home, don't have much to do because of, you know, different lockdowns, depending on what area you're, you're in or maybe you're out of work because the job you used to have doesn't exist anymore because there's just no more people coming to your to where you work. And it's easy for people to trade. Right. So if you, you combine, hey, there's a lot of people at home and they need something to fill their time and stocks are very easy to get into right now. It's a recipe for kind of what we're seeing right now. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's exactly it. This is this situation was made thanks to a perfect storm of just how, you know, great and innovative technology has become, which is kind of like the cornerstone for the podcast is, you know, we're talking about technology. And, you know, Robinhood, which is an app that is used for trading, is kind of the most important part of this because like if we rewind a bit, we can't use or I can't use Robinhood. Um, it's not available in our country. Um, it's an American app. But I've heard about it so much because I watch a lot of YouTube videos and a lot of the YouTubers have had an ad spot for Robinhood at one point in time. Um, and like you mentioned, you mentioned like their their mission statement and all that. It's always been marketed as, you know, the app for retail traders or, you know, people who just want to trade in their spare time. And a lot of people, like you mentioned, have a lot of spare time right now. That's what the app was supposed to be about. Now, the, this idea that an app that was, you know, uh, advertised to so many people through technology like YouTube and a lot of times on videos, um, you know, that were related to gaming, game, video games, which is probably why there was such a dramatic kind of uh, scenario with GameStop. Um, because, you know, this app was marketed to a lot of gamers on a lot of gaming channels. And then to turn around and have all trading halted was kind of a very interesting situation for them to do. And I say interesting is because that's the lightest word that I could think of at the time, but it was really a bad move on their part. And it was kind of transparent on who they were trying to protect because, you know, we're talking about shorting and, and options. I would definitely say if someone's listening to this podcast and they want to know more about this kind of stuff, definitely listen to listen to a podcast of people of investors or just regular people talking about technology. We not like big investors or anything like that, or have a, a huge kind of idea of what's going on. Um, not at all. Definitely look for more qualified sources when it comes to investing. Yeah, one hundred percent. And and you know that's there's definitely going to be a lot of people talking about this situation so hopefully there should be a, enough information out there but the interesting thing about option trading is that um and the only reason i know this is i have a coworker who's been trying to get me into option trading for months and months and months now 
and he's been walking me through this whole process of like what he does and and what I should do um and the interesting thing about it is uh when you're you're trading options first of all options is is a little bit different from stocks and it's more like like when you buy a stock you're always hoping that you know that company is going to uh you know increase in value they're 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 gonna you know release some great new product or they're gonna do something that's gonna cause their stock price to go up with option trading you can expect a company to go up or down depending on what you're essentially betting on what the future of that company is going to be um but that bet isn't limitless essentially when you're trading or uh when you're option trading you have a limit on to how long you can keep that option so let's say, for example, I'm going to bet that GameStop is going to uh, go down in the next two days or the next week or so. I can buy an option that their price will decrease to a certain amount by within the next five days. The problem is within those five days, after those five days, days are done, my option is going to expire. Meaning that if there was anything that I had invested in that option, I would lose it all. So essentially, I have to certify or rectify or, you know, close all my bets essentially with that option before my time frame closes and even if I do it before the time frame closes every day I let it go my the amount of money I can make um, will go down and the amount of money I can lose will increase essentially um, so it's a very time sensitive kind of situation which is why a lot of these companies these big you know uh, funds that were trying to to short this stock we're trying to do it so quickly is because they know they have a certain amount of time for them to close their options and you know pay back what they owed for the amount of stocks that they sold that they didn't own yet um so when robin hood suspended all trading and the stock began to fall it was essentially robin hood you know saying hey we're gonna protect these big guys because you know maybe they own our company or, or maybe they're huge investors in our company or, or whatnot Whereas the people that they were directly trying to advertise to were hurt by that um, because they couldn't buy. They could still sell, but they couldn't buy any GameStop stocks, meaning that essentially they couldn't prop up the price of the company that they wanted to keep. Whereas the, comp whereas the big corporations that wanted to sell and wanted to sell as low as possible had that opportunity because no one was able to buy. Um, and that's kind of an interesting thing. We've talked about, you know how companies you know use customers data or you know privacy we've talked about huawei we've talked about facebook we've talked about all these different things about how these companies can operate ethically and it definitely seems like Robinhood, as a very popular app that was advertised to the everyday person who just wanted to do some trading was acting kind of unethically in this situation by shutting out their their customer base the same people they were trying to advertise to um, which was just another kind of aspect to this whole situation and why it's kind of taken the whole, you know, not just the tech world, but, you know, the, the financial world, the just news in general by storm. It's because there's so many different facets to it. And it's actually really, really intriguing. So I would definitely recommend if anyone wants to know a little bit more, um, there's tons of resources out there. Definitely go check it out. But yeah, I mean, um, I don't know if you heard about like, uh, you know robin hood trying to prevent people from buying and stuff like that um i noticed that here where we are the apps that we usually use didn't do that um and i noticed that a lot of people in like the subreddits were trying to encourage people in other countries outside of the united states who still had the opportunity to buy to say hey go buy so you know 
we can keep this rally kind of going. But uh, yeah, I guess my question to you is how do you think about like how the internet kind of came together to kind of take advantage of the situation? When Robinhood halted traded, that was the 28th. So that's when it was climbing above 400. They halted trading and crashed down to 126. Mm-hmm. Now, when this first happened, I was thinking the exact same thing. You know, this is really Robinhood showing their hand, right? They're clearly halting trading. They're preventing these retail investors from driving the price up. And they're making it easier for these hedge funds, these Wall Street banks to kind of to cover cover their tails, right? To cover the the short the shorts that they put in on the GameStop stock. And it was it seemed like something very nefarious, right? Robin Hood, the classic character is, you know, you steal from the rich, you give to the poor, you're helping out the little guy. What Robin Hood did, it was clearly the opposite of that, right? In yeah. fact, you were stealing from the poor to help out the rich. But I've done a bit more, I guess, reading into it. Um, I've seen a couple of stories that actually paint Robin Hood in not as bad of a light. Mm-hmm. Now, Robin Hood halted traded on Thursday. The reason this happened, now, I guess, just kind of a a synopsis of how Robinhood works. Robinhood doesn't actually execute the trades. They're more of a middleman between the retail investor and the stocks themselves being bought. So what happens is, let's say you put a trade in today. That trade then goes off to the Depository Trust and Clearing Corporation, who then sends that to a broker and the broker is the one who buys the stocks or the option or the short and then transfers transfers it over so that you get what you paid for or what you thought you invested in but Robinhood isn't the one who's actually doing that buying and commissioning themselves in that 2 days that it takes to clear Robinhood has to put up collateral for those stocks or options or shorts whatever you whatever you want to buy Robinhood has to put up the collateral in the meantime in order for that to go through kind of the problem with what was going or not even the problem just a result of what was going on so many people were using Robinhood to buy stocks and buy options for GameStop and options are they are riskier than buying the stock of a company because you're betting on the future of that stock. Yeah. Whereas if you buy, let's say a stock for $17, it goes up, it goes down at the end of the day, the most you can lose is $17 because you bought the stock at $17. Mm-hmm. But let's say if you bet, if you bought in at $17, you bought an option and you say, I think it's going to go up to $200. If it shoots down to $0, you lose a lot more than $17 because you were betting yeah. on which direction it would go, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But options are a lot riskier than just buying a stock because so many people were buying stocks and buying options through Robinhood. They had to put up a lot of collateral in the meantime for these to get cleared. Mm-hmm. Because so many people were doing this, they were running out of money to put up essentially for these people to get the options and the stocks that they were ordering. 
Now, the Depository Trusting Clearing Corporation, the DTCC, they're the ones that regulate all of this. So the DTCC matches up buyers and sellers, but they require Robinhood to put up collateral, like I said. What was happening was Robinhood halted trades on just the select stocks like the GameStop, the AMC, the BlackBerry, so that they could allow, I guess, the rest of their app to function because it was either they allow people to keep on buying these and eventually they're going to have to shut down all trading or they can halt i guess these specific trades that were too big for them to cover while allowing everyone else to trade until they got more money in the meantime so on thursday after they shut down they drew a line of credit with six different banks which amounted to about 550 million dollars to meet the higher margin and uh, lending requirements that were put out by the DTCC. They also got in in contact with more of their venture capitalist investors because, I mean, essentially they're an app in Silicon Valley that's based out of Silicon Valley. Mm -hmm. So they got in contact with more venture capital firms to raise even more money to cover all of the, the stocks and all the option orders that people were putting in. So after they got, I guess, the extra capital that they needed to put up for people to make these these bets and buy these stocks, they opened up trading again, but at a limited number. So it wasn't, you can buy as much options as you want. It's okay. There's a limit to, I think it was like maybe two orders per account per day, something like that. Yeah. Um, so yes, it is kind of, it's going against what their mission statement is, but it wasn't solely their fault. And one interesting thing. So when you think about, okay, who's making these regulations for, let's say, a Robinhood or for a brokerage? Who's saying that, okay, you have to put up the money, you have to physically have the money in order for whoever is investing with you to make these orders? It's not the SEC. It's not the Fed. It's actually the DTCC, the Depository Trust and Clearing Corporation, who is actually, in fact, owned by Wall Street banks. Yeah. So the DTCC is the one who's setting, I guess, the rules and regulations on, okay, this is how much companies are allowed to trade. This is how much people are allowed to invest. These are how many options people can buy as long as you have this much money. So it's kind of like, even though they're not supposed to be a part of Wall Street, they're supposed to be regulating Wall Street. They are, in fact, owned by Wall Street Mm -hmm. and they're making rules for Wall Street. So it's kind of like, them making rules and regulations for themselves that it's a lot easier for bigger wall street hedge funds and banks to meet those regulations but someone like robin hood who's kind of like not necessarily a startup app anymore but someone who's not as big as those old established systems doesn't have as much capital i guess to yeah. meet those regulations and guidelines so i mean once again this just happened last week all this just happened last week so there will be investigations and there will be hearings as to what exactly went on behind scenes or behind closed doors but kind of the story that i've gotten so far is that yeah robin hood did screw up but it wasn't it doesn't at least seem right now like it was them purposely trying to screw over their own users it was more the regulations that were set in place by wall street that ended up protecting Wall Street from the retail investors. 
Yeah. And I think that's a key point, right? It's like, one, yeah, time will tell, like, what this situation actually actually turns out to be, like, what the reality of it is. And honestly, it's, it's funny. This could be a big short part two. Um, yeah. If anyone saw that movie, it's a fantastic movie um, about the housing crisis. But, yeah, this this could definitely be, like, made into a movie at some point, just of how dramatic it is. But um, going back to a topic we had in the last podcast, a lot of this is about the optics of, you know, Robin Hood, who they were advertising to, and what happened to the people that who they advertised to was not being able to buy, um, you know, the stocks that they wanted to buy. And this is very similar to what we were talking about, about Facebook, with their rules on, you know, sharing information from WhatsApp to businesses, and that kind of storm that it caused from people wanting to switch away from whatsapp to another app but in reality they were already sharing information from whatsapp um to facebook servers and you know this is just another part of it that they were adding but because so many people caught wind of it at one time and it kind of caught the media the same way this did and you know it kind of just made itself into a storm it rubbed people the wrong way and it kind of created this idea around Facebook is this evil company and, you know, I don't want them having access to my WhatsApp data. Um, and regardless of what Facebook says, they can say, oh, hey, we, we've, which they probably wouldn't. Imagine if they, them coming out saying, hey, we've been, we've been messing with your WhatsApp information for years. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry about it. But, like, it, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, they could say that all they want, but at the end of the day, the the public opinion has definitely shifted. Um, and, you know, we've talked about how WhatsApp doesn't seem to have a great, or sorry, Facebook doesn't seem to have a great brand recognition. And this could be the same thing with a, with a company like Robinhood who, you know, built their brand off of, you know the everyday person and now i feel like their brand recognition despite of what the reality of the situation might be seems to be a little bit damaged which i mean if if they were really just trying to keep up um and and they couldn't at the time that's kind of sad but uh i guess it's just kind of the reality of the situation that people were really really upset with them suspending trading or at least suspending buying um at that time at a time when you know they were kind of the the public was riding a wave and a lot of people were making a lot of money um off of this situation to just have it all kind of halted because you know an app decided it wanted it to halt whether it was for you know like you said very legitimate reasons that they just couldn't keep up or if it was for some more nefarious reason i don't know if that really matters at the end of the day yeah i mean in the court of public opinion, it kind of doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. This, we won't know at least for months, maybe even years as to what really led to Robin Hood halting trades on Thursday. But as soon as it happened, there were hundreds of thousands of one-star reviews on the Play Store, on the, on the Apple App Store. People wanted to, hey, we are going to vocally downgrade your app so you don't seem as legitimate anymore and we're going to stop using your app because mm -hmm. people were they were upset yeah. rightly so right and no matter what happens a month a year from now by the time by the time it's found out what really happened people have already made up their minds mm -hmm. right 
this just happened Thursday. People are already looking for new ways to invest. They're looking for new ways to buy stocks, to buy options. So it doesn't really matter what happens now. It's their credibility is is for a large part ruined in in a in a big way. Yeah. And another thing too, right? They are a company that has been grown in popularity, right? This past year in 2020, millions of young investors have started trading simply because, like we said, they're stuck at home. And this is a new app that offers you no fee trading and it makes it extremely simple to do. Yeah. They were looking to go public in 2021. <laughs> and if you're right in the wave of, okay, hey, everyone's stuck at home. Everyone's using our app. Everyone's using us to invest. We're, we have a new young generation interested in investing. And then all of a sudden it's, yeah, thousands, hundreds of thousands of one-star reviews. You guys are seen as the enemy. enemy. You guys are just working for the big corporations. You guys are a shield. And it's like, all right, yeah, sorry. I don't think that IPO is going to go too well for you anymore. Yeah. Say, speaking of people making money, right? Um, all kinds of news outlets have been reporting crazy stories. Like this one guy, AJ Vanover, a 31-year-old. He's uh, He works in some sort of battery recycling plant, makes $35,000 a year. He bought about 100 shares and some options in GameStop, and he ended up investing a total of $4,500. Last week, Wednesday, on the 28th, his account was $1 million in value. Wow. So people are making a lot of money on this. Yeah. It's an amazing story, really. It's an amazing story. And like you said, this could be a big short, too. This is going to be... A movie one day. It's going to be a great movie. Maybe they'll even use this podcast clip in their movie <laughs> one day to help explain what happened and what pe- what people felt in the moment. But a lot of it definitely has to do with Wall Street bets. Yeah. Right. We kind of we mentioned that before, but it's this community that has targeted people at Wall Street. Right. They're. They're the ones that came up with the idea that, hey, we are going to drive the price of GameStop up because all these hedge funds, all these big banks are shorting the stock. They're driving GameStop down and us as a community can drive it up. And then once it starts going up and the word starts spreading that, hey, this group is trying to drive up, um, drive up the price of this stock, then other people start jumping on. And like you said, people from around the world start investing in it, too which keeps on driving it higher and higher. And there are some people speculating that this stock might be worth $1,000 a share. Jeez. That's how high these people are. I've heard someone say $5,000 a share. (laughs) I don't know if it's happening. I don't know if it's going to the moon. But one thing that's kind of been popularized with this Reddit group, with this Wall Street Bets, is you buy and you don't sell. You hold on, right? And it's... If you're buying, you're in it. They're, they're treating this like a war. This yeah. is a war on Wall Street right now. It's not just, you know, okay, I want to, you know, buy some stock. I like GameStop because, you know, I like video games. They've taken it to the point now where it's it's all or nothing. Either you put up your life savings and invest or you don't invest with us because <laughs> we're going to war with Wall Street and we're bringing them down. Yeah. Which is going to make for a great story. It will, yeah, one hundred percent. And it's just, it's just so kind of crazy that this is all 
circulating around GameStop, a company that, <laughs> honestly, who knows how long it will exist for, which is is kind of sad because. So I, I guess the question for you is like, do you have good memories of like GameStops and EB Games and stuff like that? Like, is it something that you would want to see exist for a very long time, or do you think it's time has come? Maybe you know we don't have a need now with buying games online and stuff like that. Where do you stand? Do you want GameStops and EB Games, or are you just like, ah, I'll just use online? I want GameStops and EB Games just because I don't know. I don't know if it's the nostalgia of it. I like having physical games. Yeah. Now we've talked about this before, you know. Nowadays, games are really just a download code. You put in, I bought Spider Man Miles Morales, I put it in, and I have to wait for it to download updates first before I can even play it. It's not even the full game on the CD anymore. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. It's just the sense of having the physical game. And another thing that GameStop and EB Games have kind of branched off into is also action figures, yeah. right? Funko Pops have become so popular now. One of the main places that I see them is at EB Games, right? It brought up some negative memories. I, I remember seeing a meme and it's, you know, you bring in Xbox and Nintendo Switch to trade in and they give you $20 for it <laughs> yeah. or maybe like $40 in store credit. They're notorious for not paying you anything for something you literally just bought from them. Yeah. But other than that, I would like to see the brick and mortar stores still kind of stick around for stuff like video games or action figures or accessories. Yeah, I 100% I agree. I, I have that same kind of nostalgia, not just for um, physical games. I always buy physical games. I'm not really into digital i like having the boxes and stuff like that and it's mainly because i don't buy a ton of games so i don't have to worry too much about storage but also like i just loved the loved walking into an eb games especially as a kid where you'd kind of have like that that bond or that rapport with a particular person behind the counter and every time they'd see you they'd greet you and be like hey what are you gonna play this time and blah blah blah, blah. like that that kind of that kind of environment is is going away um, you know, it started with mom and pop video game stores and comic book stores and like action figure stores and stuff like that. And then as big box stores started to come in, like the Walmarts and stuff like that, those started to go away. But even though GameStop and, and EB Games was this big company, it still kind of had that your local game store kind of feel, um, which is really cool. So yeah, I'm definitely on the side of like, I hope they, they stick around, find a way to, to reinvent and stay, stay relevant. And yeah, uh, hopefully they're, they're around for years to come. Yeah, and I mean, I guess speaking of their actual intrinsic value, on January 11th this year, they actually announced that they're adding kind of three new members to their board of directors, one of which was Ryan Cohen, who's co-founder of a company called Chewy Inc., which is this big, I guess, internet platform. And kind of what he's supposed to be doing is helping direct them more to, I guess, an online space. Now, whether that is online video game sales mm -hmm. or more, I guess, online merchandise sales, but that kind of initially was part of the reason why there was a steady climb. I think the day that they announced him being part of the board, their stock rose like 13%, mm -hmm. which is pretty good, right, for yeah. a, a regular day. But when we're talking about closing one day at 148 and opening at 327 what's what's 13% gains yeah and, and that yeah. i think that's a really good point like moving the the operation to online we saw another company recently do the same thing um in Toys R Us 
which you know kind of went under and and closed all of its stores and stuff like that but now has kind of reinvented itself as this online marketplace um for a lot of like the toys and action figures that they were so known for now you can just order them online um so yeah i could see that being like a, a future for a lot of these companies as being kind of like an amazon but for a specialized uh merchandise whether it's games action figures toys any of those, those kind of um products that you can say okay i'm gonna go to this place and i know they're gonna have what i want as opposed to just going to amazon which is essentially just an, an online version of walmart so yeah no that that could be cool as well you still lose that personal kind of aspect but you know who knows maybe they can keep a few stores open as well yeah maybe a few flagship stores here and there yeah I mean, I guess one positive thing that Robinhood has sparked, apart from getting millions of people interested in investing that weren't interested before, you know, other brokerages and banks have started to lower their prices to compete with Robinhood, yeah. right? So other institutions are now offering lower rates or zero trading, zero dollar trading fees because they're seeing how popular Robinhood has become solely with offering this zero dollar trading fee thing too. So even if maybe a year from now, there's no IPO for Robinhood and they don't really exist anymore or not to the extent that they exist right now, we can at least say that because of them, our larger institutions are charging less mm-hmm. for trading fees. Once again, competition podcast. Competition. <laughs> You know, competition from the little guy breeds innovation from the big guy and the customer wins in the end. Yep. Uh, Any, I guess, closing statements for today? Uh, No, not really. I think uh, this is a really interesting kind of situation. Can't wait for the movie. And uh, clearly (laughs) Cyberpunk 2077 saved GameStop. Yeah, clearly (laughs) they did. Um, One feel-good story to end. Fifth grade boy in Texas suddenly has more money than he's had in his whole life. In December 2019, his mother bought him $60 worth of GameStop stock. That $60 has now transformed into $3,200. <laughs> so this, his mother originally got it for him to, you know, kind of get him interested in investing. And, you know, it's, oh, well, he likes video games, so I'll get him stocks in a video game selling company. Why not? You know, it's $60. You're not expecting much from it. I mean, if you got $120 from it in a year, that'd be a very good investment. But $3,200 for this little 10-year-old, which he is, I'm assuming, very happy to have. Yeah. About time to get a PS5. Just about time. You could... (laughs) You could start your own PS5 selling business with that much money. Yeah. Buy a few bots to, to buy them for you. <laughs> uh, all right. I guess that's it for this episode. Take it easy, everyone in podcast land. Catch you in the next episode. <laughs>